Now it's time for Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf, the number one relationship advice radio show in the U.S. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf, and it is my pleasure to be with you again this week. The Ask Dr. Love show is streaming live on the Ask Dr. Love YouTube channel, and our show also broadcasts in five of the top 10 U.S. terrestrial radio markets, reaching 40 million listeners. And in addition to airing in Chicago and Atlanta, San Francisco, and Boston, we're also now airing on KKNW in Seattle and KCAA in Los Angeles and San Bernardino. The audio and the video recordings of the show will be posted on this week's show page. And show recordings are also available on Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and all your favorite podcast apps, where you can find the recorded audio and video versions of all shows at AskDrLove.com. Remember to submit your questions to me at AskDrLove.com slash questions, and I'll do my best to answer you on air. So now on to the show. Today, we're talking about how non-binary sexual trends are affecting relationships. And we're going to look at how political and financial uncertainties and stress are also contributing to the gender, sex, and relationship issues that we see today. My guest today is Dr. Sharna Stryer. Stryer, a psychotherapist and an ASECT certified sex therapist and certified clinical nurse specialist who is in private practice in Midtown Manhattan. She formerly served at the University of Michigan and Hunter College as a professor with a focus in the areas of human sexuality, couple and group dynamics and communication. She's spoken at many professional forums, written and contributed to many professional articles, and served as a guest expert on national radio, television, and podcasts. Dr. Stryer can be reached at her website, website Stryer, sharnastryer.com. You spell that S-T-R-I-A-R, sharnastryer.com. So without further ado, welcome. Sorry we had a late start today. We had a little, little bit of a snag, but welcome. Glad to have you. Nice to be here. Wait, and, I, and I commented how much I like your your view. I thought you had this amazing, you know, ultra mid century modern view. And you told me you had it was designed as a. Can you explain what this is that we're looking at? Yes, it <clears throat> it was designed to you know create a very interesting, attractive background during the pandemic when we were all using Zoom and it was designed by Gruskin Group. And I just love it. I step into it and I say, ah, I like looking at it. It's very peaceful. It's very nice. And it's just very beautiful. For, <laughs> those of, for those of you who are listening on the radio, well, you can come to Ask Dr. Love and you can actually watch the TV version. The show is also on Binge Networks TV or you can watch the YouTube uh, video version, all available through Dr. Streer's page at AskDrLove.com. I said it, I said it wrong again. Stryer. Tricky name. Stryer. I'm so sorry. So, so jump in because you said you did some research. You wanted to look at some research in anticipation of the topic we're talking about today. So what did you want to share regarding the research? Because you said you wanted everyone watching and listening to be educated on the research that you've come up with. 
Well, I really want to say that it's it's a personal journey that I went on as I looked at what are the current trends, because I deal with primarily people in their 20s and 30s. And they're coming to me and I could I could feel that there's a new uh, sort of way of thinking, the way of approaching their relationships, their concept of gender. And I wanted to better understand it and be a part of that journey. And so the educational process, and, and here I am, someone who's been in the field, has been um, interesting to get to understand what has driven, which I'm going to talk about, the new trend of um, non-binary and all that goes with it has been, um, and you know, really sort of an attempt to understand the nature of it and how it came about and how, the importance of the expression of all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what did your research show you? Your for your research for this. Well, when you think about what is binary, what is which they call cisgender, it's really understanding that gender is male or female, which is ascribed at, according to the genitalia and anatomy at birth. And what goes along with that is the concept of what it is, which is oftentimes culturally, socially, familial background. Uh, determined as to how you're making a distinction between sexual assignment at birth versus gender role. Yes, yes. So you were assigned a, a well, you know, you were assigned gender. You're assigned you are male or you're female. Well, I thought we call that a sexual assignment, and gender is a role, as opposed to. You can see the conversation is like this as you begin to enter the journey. Yes, I understand initially there wasn't so much of the breakdown, you see, of sexual assignment and uh, whatever that means and gender. But in this concept of binary versus non-binary, it's if you are uh, determined that you are male or female, there were many, many people who along that determination felt that they were not being included. They could not relate to, I am just male, I am just female. And somehow, if I express myself in a way that is a different than my assigned sex or a blend of my assigned gender, that um, I am discriminated against, I am not recognized. So the well of, um, I guess, a need and desire for that recognition and acceptance <clears throat> brought that issue to the surface. And then language had to be determined and created to express the internal experience of gender, which may be different, as you said, to the um, assignment of the, the male or female uh, genitalia determination at birth. Mm -hmm. 
So, you know, I, I'm familiar with, you know, the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual estimates that say only 0.005% to 0.014% of people assign male at birth and 0.002% and 0.003% of people assigned female at birth are diagnosable with gender dysphoria. You know, that it, it's like one in 3,000 male births and one in 100,000 female births are really dysphoria where the person feels I was born into the wrong body. So it's it's um, very, very low number. So I, I wonder how much of the discussion now about, oh, I'm not a male, I'm not a female, is more of a political, you know, thing that's going on. Or, you know, like in the 60s, kids, teenagers would rebel by saying I have long hair and, you know. That's an aspect of it. There's no question. However, that voice that you're referencing, and it's more of an internal, I, I can, for instance, I can identify as she or her, but it might be that I'm gender fluid. There may be times that I feel that I want to internally be recognized because it is my preference as male. So it's, it's stepping out of the uh, kind of, uh, um, I guess, uh, stereotypes of what it is to be male and female and trying to, excuse me, express it in a very positive way. It's complex. Right. You know, we used to call this androgyny, you know, the, all the research about the men who were more equally blends of male and female, you know, not just all traditionally macho and vice versa. The most androgynous men were the best husbands, had the best marriages, you know, we, they weren't so confined, you know, by right. the traditional Except male gender. Androgyny role. oftentimes uh, kind of neutralizes the gender that you're, which is also, you could be gender free. Right. You, and you just want to be referred to as a person uh, or people. So what it is, it's taking that like everything else and refining it even more. And as you refer to these statistics, uh, because I was very much a part of the movement of uh, working with transsexuals that Harry Benjamin was the gynecologist that brought that understanding to the public, um, many people uh, did not come out, but I don't wanna confuse that I feel that, let's say I'm a woman and I'm trapped in a, a female body, but I feel internally that I'm male. That's transgender for sure. That's a whole, that's a whole other end of the spectrum than I just wanna be free to flow, right? To be exactly. To Let's take be, a break. Uh, we have to flow into a break, but we'll flow back quickly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Are you or someone you love struggling with an addiction to drugs or alcohol and want to be set free from the chains of addiction? Then call Addiction Helpline America right now to get the help you need. From drug and alcohol addiction to dual diagnosis treatment, we provide a confidential helpline to help people like you get sober and live happy, substance-free lives. Treatment helped me get my life back. I was so addicted, the only person I could focus on was myself and what I needed. I hit rock bottom and lost everything. 
through treatment, I was able to overcome those demons and focus on my family again. I used until I overdosed and almost died. That was the end of the road for me. After seeking treatment, I now have hope. I learned skills that help me deal with life on life's terms. 800-398-9845-800-398-9845-800-398-9845. That's 800-398-9845. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If you can't stop crying over the bodily loss of a loved one, Dr. Turndorf's international number one bestseller, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased, shows you how to toss out the tissues and transform your grief into joy using her groundbreaking Dialoguing with the Departed technique that enables you to reconnect and even heal unfinished business with those in spirit. To find out more, visit AskDrLove.com. And now, back to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Dr. Sharna Stryer about non-binary, say that, it's like, say that three times fast, non-binary sexual trends. So we're talking about the difference between somebody who's like, I'm trapped in a the wrong body. I want a sex reassignment. I want to be transgender. But they may, versus- they may or may not want a sex reassignment. That's transitioning. Okay. But, and, or they just might want to... Tr- you know, just cross-dress, right? Uh, or or be acknowledged. See, the whole thing is is that they want to give voice and expression through language to express their personal experience of gender. And that, of course, is on a spectrum. And it's um, wanting that to be something that is not hidden that doesn't make you uncomfortable. You know, many people, they don't fit into the stereotypic, maybe cultural slots. And so if you fall or you skew to the left or the right, it's oftentimes uncomfortable and discriminated against. And this new trend, this new movement is more of an accepting attempt and uh, uh platform for this kind of uh, important expression. One thing that's really alarming me is the the trend to sexualize kids who are pre-adolescent. They're in the latency period, which is that period before sexuality even blossoms. And we see parents taking them to, um, you know, uh, drag queen shows or already starting to prepare them for sexual reassignment, which is to me an absolute monstrosity to see this going on. Well, I, I could well understand. And it's a whole other topic that really is not my area of specialty. But I think that part of the um, a sort of exposure to a variety of people who may not be and look like you is part of the attempt of acceptance and normalizing. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how a parent, you know, who has some kind of political view about this is putting an imposition on a kid. You know, that meme that's going around on the 
on the internet now. Like when I was a kid, I wanted to be a pirate. So does that mean my parents should, you know, oh, you heard, remove you one of my that. eyes and cut off one of my legs? I mean, you don't of know course. what you want to be. Your brain hasn't even developed, you know, for Ab decades. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you're, and you're impressionable. And that is something that is being talked about worldwide. When do they bring this into the school system? Do they or how they, all of that. But if I may move the conversation to another trend that I think is worthy of discussion. Is that all right? Yes, go. Okay, the, uh, and that is the emphasis now um, more and more on sensual expression. Uh, in, uh, by that I mean really sort of encouraging touch and uh, uh, different aspects of foreplay. And by the way, foreplay oftentimes is now referred to as outer course. And, right. and really kind of putting emphasis on the importance, importance of connecting and even aftercare. If intercourse becomes part of the experience, the importance of that connection and bonding. And that has been a very important part of uh, the role that sex therapists have played. And now, particularly during the pandemic, when a lot of us had time to watch Netflix and podcasts, there's so much information out there about the joy and expression of uh, sensual touch. And I'm really thrilled about that. That's and a great thing, right? Because then you have more oxytocin, the cuddle hormone being produced, and really great for your blood pressure, great for all kinds of aspects of our physiology and biochemistry. That is fantastic. Your, for your heart, great for the sense of uh, caring. It it's, brings it's that really out. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And, you know, outer course uh, really started when there was vaginal pain, you know, when women were having interstitial cystitis and conditions that made intercourse painful. And now it's just expanding to. You know, well, that's maybe one aspect of why it is, but it's always been a part of the treatment process in sex therapy. Absolutely, and, yes. Yes, so it, it, it's getting the attention off of the focus of uh, the orgasm. And the uh, genitalia, uh, it, right. And the erection issues, but also it's like, what's the rush? You know, there's so much joy and pleasure that can be experienced through touch and through creative, erotic, exploration of each other yeah. and really and I, I use the concept also of the importance of setting the table and by setting the table it's creating the atmosphere that allows for that kind of deep connection maybe it's music maybe it's lighting maybe it's fragrance but all of these things stimulate the senses and allow you to move into a deeper connection in the sexual realm. That's lovely. And it, it's, it's even, it's beyond sex, you know, it's tremendous sensuality. 
Well, sensuality is not beyond sex. Sensuality is an important ingredient of sexual expression. But there is no obligation here for people to have intercourse or penetration or orgasms. They can just keep it as a sensual expression and call it a day. And that's why, uh, but I want to make the point that oftentimes when people refer to sex, they're thinking of penetrative sex. Penetrative, right. And the point is, is that the sexual journey is about pleasure and it's a wide array of experiences and not just rushing to penetrative sex and orgasm, although certainly that experience is also part of the pleasure. You know, I have had a thought for a while now, and I don't know if anybody's researched this. We know that our world has become very loaded down with what they call xenoestrogens, the false estrogens from the parabens in our skincare, our makeup, our shampoos, the plastic bottles. And these uh, false or xenoestrogens have a feminizing effect on the body. You know, men are growing man boobs and all of this. And I've often wondered if the trend toward more... um, asexuality and gender fluidity and more feminizing of men is connected to the polluting of our environment with these estrogen mimicking chemicals. And I think there's something to this. Well, there's always the impact of the hormones rushing through our bodies and as well as brain chemistry. However, I, I, I really can't say that. We'd have to turn to research on that. I don't think there is any, but it would be an excellent research study to show. I think it's more that the there's more of an opening to the the awareness of the uh, breadth and depth of right. What, but what I'm saying what is the opening is coming from a shift in the chemistry that are the chemistry. That is, well, that's a point of view, and I hear you, yeah. and that's interesting, yeah. but yeah. I think it's more of a shift of also awareness yeah. and a voice of people who really felt that they did not have the recognition. Right. But it's so interesting because there is such a preponderance now of this push to be non-binary, and I know I'm not wrong about this. I because why suddenly has it, be, it has it tracked with the you know the, these kinds of pollutants? I'm 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 gonna we're gonna have to look into this. Let's take a break. Okay. We'll be back. Okay. Do you know someone with a drug or alcohol problem? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. Stop the drug and alcohol nightmare. Are drug and alcohol problems hitting you too close to home? Get help right now. Insurance may cover everything. 800-762-6158. That's 800-762-6158. Know someone with a drinking or drug problem? Learn how to get sober after we share these stories. I was 35 with two beautiful children when my life and addiction started to spiral out of control. After my divorce, I went into a depression cycle and started drinking more often and using prescription drugs. After my second DWI and arrest, my ex-husband threatened to take our children away from me. I was 17 when I became addicted to heroin and meth. I thought I could quit on my own, but I couldn't. It hit me when I was arrested. 
Get sober now. Your private insurance may cover costs and we'll get you here. It's simple. Just call Elite Rehab Placement right now. Please, don't wait. Your life matters to us. 800-918-1376 That's 800-918-1376 You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish your relationship and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit AskDrLove.com slash griefrelief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit AskDrLove.com slash griefrelief to find out more. Hello again and welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Dr. Sharna Stryer about non-binary sexual trends. You know, Go ahead. I think it is also interesting as another trend to talk about um, communication and the view of coupling uh, you know, how that is beginning to alter. Go for it. Well, one thing that I'm really noticing and really admiring is the level of uh, awareness that young people are having and communicating to me. And part of it is, the you know, this ever-changing wild uh, world that we are presently in has increased the uh, experience of anxiety for a lot of people, particularly young people as they launch into their lives. And they're willing to talk about it. They're willing to express it. And, And of course I get a skewed population because those are the people who are coming to me, but their way of, their level of understanding and their way of expressing it is impressive. And I think that that lends itself to a concept that at least is in the literature, and I certainly am addressing it in my practice, is what they call ethical non-monogamy, which involves a lot of communication, a lot of understanding, and kind of um, maybe uh, an effort to you know, be um, ethical and upfront with their partner about their desires beyond the relationship that they're in. And so what's ethical is, I'm telling you, I don't want to be monogamous. That's the ethical piece. And that they work that out, that it's about um, Our relationship is primary, but there may be from time to time, and it is talked about and negotiated, uh, an interest in uh, other experiences. And it could be that, uh, you know, there is a a little bit more of a movement toward exploration in that area. Um, And it's a struggle. I, I mean, I'm not quite sure 
how that's going to play out. Certainly in the 70s, Open uh, Marriage was a very popular book, and uh, that went through its journey and its complications. But I'm just sharing it as a trend that is growing. And along with that, you'll, you know, you'll see various articles or um, TV shows or series that reference this. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime I've ever had couples say, oh, we want to bring in someone else into the relationship or we want to have a threesome or something, every time they do this, I see that it erodes the primary relationship. I have never seen it work ever. <laughs> I mean, ever. So it's... Um, I understand. I, when you, you know, see it through time, it, it is a complicated phenomena but nonetheless it is it is one of the it's a trend right and uh it is it's a journey and involves you know uh, a high level of ability of communication and trust and it will be interesting to see how that goes and where that goes right and along the, with, you, along you're with looking the, at your notes, so was there something else? Yeah, along yeah, um, heteroflexibility is another term that the literature uh, brought up for me, and that is where I, I, you know, my, I define myself. Uh, uh, one could be heteronormative or heteroflexible. I define myself as heterosexual. However, if my curiosity or interest brings me to an experience, I might pursue it. Well, it's interesting because even Sigmund Freud said that we are by nature bisexual, which was, you know, his version of there's no such thing as being strictly heterosexual, you know, that you are, if you're, if you're really in touch, you can be attracted and aware that you're attracted to the same sex and so on. And of course, and I know you well know, one could be attracted, one could recognize the attraction, but that doesn't necessarily morph into a behavior or an action. That's right. And right. that's important. And that's the, also the importance of understanding your own erotica. What is... It, you know, exciting to you? How can you access it? The joy of fantasy, the joy of, of um, conversation in this, uh, it, during the sexual expression. There are all ways of doing it without actually acting on it outside of the relationship. That's true too. And the role playing, right? Exactly. Where the fantasy can be enacted through a role play. And there's and the, you know the trend is is much is to be much more creative to be you know there's so much opportunity that you can access now i think that it also lends itself to talking about the impact of pornography and during certainly the pandemic uh particularly solo people and even in couples sessions there was i'm sure you know porn hub probably made a fortune and that that was was it running neck and neck with Grubhub I wonder yeah <laughs> probably right. you know I'm sure that they probably had a relationship I don't know that's right because you tend to want to eat after you have an exactly. sexual encounter right exactly but the impact 
again, you know, it's all about balance because it can get compulsive. And when it gets compulsive and you get, particularly for a man, when he gets used to his own hand through um, masturbation and, and has grown up watching porn as the form of stimulation, he doesn't really create the opportunity of accessing fantasy or erotica, or most important, focusing on the sensations in the experience. So it impacts partner sex. It they does. And a lot of guys have sexual dysfunctions when they overuse porn. They don't get aroused uh, in the way they would like to when they're actually with a partner, right? And also to understand brain chemistry. Right. I mean, each time, you know, the dopamine rush, you know, requires more and more sensation. And so there, you know, it's, it can be very entrapping and you can, you could end up getting a callus, you know, <laughs> where you don't want it. So absolutely. Yeah. Let's take a break. Okay. Before I become more callous in my references. We'll be back in a moment. Okay. Recover Now is a national campaign aimed at the education and awareness of the devastating effects of opioid and heroin abuse and curbing drug and alcohol addiction in the United States. Recover Now is sponsored by treatment facilities nationwide. Many of them have been where you are, and they want to help by spreading a message of hope and recovery. They're working hand-in-hand with major insurance companies nationwide that can help you or loved one get clean in 7 to 30 days. Recover Now is important. Embarking on a national outreach campaign on TV and radio to promote anti-addiction messages. So if you, a loved one, or someone you know has a problem with drugs or alcohol, do not wait. A new life for you could be 30 days away. Call us right now. I promise this call can change your life. Sponsored by the Detox and Treatment Helpline. 800-934-6091. 800-934-6091. That's 800-934-6091. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If you can't stop crying over the bodily loss of a loved one, Dr. Turndorf's international number one bestseller, Love Never Dies, How to Reconnect and Make Peace with the Deceased, shows you how to toss out the tissues and transform your grief into joy using her groundbreaking Dialoguing with the Departed technique that enables you to reconnect and even heal unfinished business with those in spirit. To find out more, visit AskDrLove.com. And now, back to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Dr. Sharna Stryer. And, you know, I wanted to bring something up that this is, I know, going to be a very controversial thing that I'm going to say. Um. There's a lot of research, as you know, about the link between complex trauma and gender dysphoria, gender unhappiness, gender confusion. Now, a lot of people have moved away from this understanding. And I wanted to tell you about a boy that I knew who was adopted. And his adopted father was extremely passive. And his mother 
was a total witch. And he witnessed the mother behave in very castrating ways to his father. And she punched him out. And this boy started telling me, I don't know why my father has a penis. He doesn't act like a man. He might as well have it chopped off. And the next thing I knew, this boy was talking about he didn't want a penis anymore and he wanted to become a woman. And it made sense to me because his mother, the woman, had all the power. His father was a wimp. And I could see the link up between his trauma and his gender confusion. Now, this is certainly not a popular idea, but I know there's a link up between trauma and this kind of confusion. What do you think about what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. I think that you can uh, look at it in a very psychological way and really begin to understand kind of the underpinnings of what draws a person to their personal perception of themselves, particularly as it has to do with gender. That is certainly a, always a very uh, important point at which is discussed and sort of work through. And then when there's a better understanding, I think revisiting the concept of how do you perceive your gender is important. Mm -hmm. But when you're dealing with trauma, it is so painful. You know, it's so distressing to access the emotions that it's almost preferable for many people to put all that into a grave an emotional grave, and it would be less painful for me to just even have my genitalia removed or, you know, do I don't a, know about that, about genitalia removal, but I think that's the importance and the role of therapists in this world. I think a lot of people are unconscious, and I really find when anyone comes into my office, I think they're very brave because they're willing to take a look at themselves, Very to true. talk openly and examine and uncover and learn and grow. And it is a process. It takes work. And one thing I, excuse me, also want to say is that this process of understanding these trends, which may sort of push against our our understanding of gender, of sexual expression, takes work also. It takes kind of educating yourself, opening your mind to it, thinking about it, uh, and uh, you know, learning about it. So I, I want to say it's all a process of uh, that takes energy and involvement, mm -hmm. and courage, like you said, and courage to face Absolutely. really painful, confusing, conflictual And when people feelings. come into my office, I, I, I embrace their uh, the opportunity that they are affording themselves. And I try to really be the best I can as a facilitator and guide in that process of learning about themselves, of, of reaching their goals, because this is a time, particularly since I work with young people, where they're are, are more uncertainties than there has been in a very long time. Yes. And so it gets expressed in a variety of ways. Yes. Now, you had said something about 
the financial and the political climate, which is so stressful, is impacting people's sexuality, their relationships, their everything on, on the topic we're talking about. How do you see there's a direct link between the stress of the political and the financial arena and uh, the the effect that it's having on people's gender identities? Um, well, I would just say in their sense of well-being and gender identity is part of it. When you, and you, I'm sure you well know it, when you are highly anxious and even prone toward panic disorders or, you, you know, you're, you're taking certain medication, ADHD medication, SSRIs, all of that is, impacts your sense of self. And it's like the, the sense of stability is being rocked. But also the drugs themselves have direct negative impact on sexual well, function. It's, I wouldn't say, not necessarily some. It's but like the SSRIs are reputed. Yes. Right, but, they, but, uh, but they, they oftentimes give them in cocktail form. Well, butrin is a way of uh, softening that. And there are now medications that are coming forward that don't have that same effect. But if you need, you know, sometimes you need that to really help you get out of a, a, a very negative, uh, you know, thought disorder and lift yourself from it, as well as mindfulness, which is so important, uh, learning how to reframe using CBT uh, and going into deeper work and understanding what your triggers are. So that's also a part of the journey. And how couldn't all of that have an impact on how we feel, who we choose in our life, and who we love, and how we define ourselves? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So have, has there ever been a patient who's come into your office and you have said, I cannot or will not work with this person? Um. I don't say it quite like that. I have uh, situations where I feel that they may require more specialization than what I can offer. Mm -hmm. And so I have a good referral source for that. Or I may work with a specialty a specialist and the two of us will work in partnership. Mm -hmm. Are you doing groups with this population? Uh, no, not at present. I'm not doing groups, uh, but I work with people who, uh, for instance, actually I'm working with someone now where I referred the person whose uh, behavior became so compulsive in the use of pornography that they really needed to work with someone around that. And then I come in and I talk through the experience and get to some of the more deeper triggers. Mm hmm. So it's interesting because I uh, just published a book called If You Think You Don't Have PTSD, Think Again, the first research backed drug free remedy for the new global PTSD pandemic stress syndrome. Yes. And as a result of writing the book, I discovered a lot of research linking low magnesium yes. to uh, various addictions, including sexual yes. addictions. Yes. Right. 
So, and um, I've since begun recommending the transdermal Electra magnesium because it bypasses digestion, yes. goes right into the bloodstream that's and right. is so helpful, as oh, you know. Yes, I quite agree. And that's a wonderful suggestion. Yeah. So, and, and also how you attend to your health, your the importance of exercising, how you eat, all of that. Is and guess what? Taking necessary breaks. We have to take a break. <laughs> I'll be back with you in a moment. Terrific. You're listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. If your heart is still hurting over the bodily loss of your loved one, the reason is simple. We're not meant to be separated from those we love, and reconnecting is the only way to end the grief. But reconnecting and staying connected requires guidance. As a gift to her listeners, Dr. Turndorf is offering a limited number of discounted grief relief sessions to help you reestablish your relationship and resolve any unfinished issues. If you're ready to experience the healing and joy of reconnecting, visit AskDrLove.com slash grief relief to schedule your session. But don't wait. Space is limited. Visit AskDrLove.com slash grief relief to find out more. Have you ever met a single person in your life that enjoys paying taxes? No, no one does. If you can't sleep at night because you have a huge problem with the IRS, I've got some free advice for you. This service is strictly limited to individuals that owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes. And if you qualify, we can guarantee that you won't be writing a big fat check to the IRS or our services cost you nothing. The first 100 people that call today will get a free tax consultation worth $500. Stop worrying about your IRS problem. We can help you. We promise. Call the tax doctor right now. I mean right now to learn more. 800-668-2493. 800-668-2493. That's 800-668-2493. Welcome back to Ask Dr. Love. I'm Dr. Jamie Turndorf talking with Dr. Sharna Stryer. You know, one of the things I think you wanted to talk about was whether people are having more sex or less in the current climate. Of course, there's no way of really knowing that. Research seems to indicate uh, that there was uh, kind of a, a drop in in uh, sexual activity, but um, I think that it's interesting because during the the time of the pandemic, when people were brought together and uh, they were they, you know they had a quarantine together, there are many couples that I work with that allowed them to really uh, work through how to be more creative you know, to talk it through, to create opportunity, the importance of of designating time for their intimate experience. So I think that along those lines, people are also, single people are telling me either they rushed out and uh, got very sexually active or they've learned because of that, that, you know, essentially cloistering together, that they need to take their time to connect. They need to get to know. So there was a lot of that that went on that is still going on. 
Mm-hmm. And do you, do you think a lot of relationships have fallen apart? Certainly some have because, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't uh, escape each other. And uh, I think as you, I'm sure you're familiar with Esther Perel's book, Mating in Cap- uh, Captivity, that sometimes too, too much together is not good for the erotic relationship. And so that's where the communication came in. That's where my work came in. And which is the biggest part of what I do is help people really hear and listen to each other and clearly hear what each other is saying, like using the skill of paraphrasing, using the skill of checking out your perceptions to see if they're accurate, and also acknowledging when you've lost the the rapport and people come up with magical words like pineapple or pause or timeout. So it's managing how to stay in sync and really be open to each other as you're communicating. Mm-hmm. And no attacks. I have you know, a lot of... Um... I have a conflict resolution method that I developed over a long period of time. And um, Hay House published that. It was my first book called Kiss Your Fights Goodbye. And in there, I talk about the fact that uh, good communicating is really good listening. Right. So you have and listening is really conveying through, as you were saying, very uh, simply, uh, you reiterate what you heard, you rephrase it, you ask questions to clarify. And, you you know, you have to speak in a way that's hearable. You know, I'm not going to be able to hear you if you're insulting me and attacking me. And you have to get out of your own uh, your own world, your own head. You have to sort of lean in to the space between the two of you and work toward getting in sync with one another and right. one another. Right. The yeah. partial identification is so important, putting yourself in the other person's shoe. And many people will say, well, I just truly don't understand how you feel about what you're talking about, but you know what the feeling feels like. So you can swap, you know, you can partially identify by saying, well, I know when X, Y, and Z happens, this is how I feel. So I can understand your feeling if I don't understand, even if I don't understand the trigger that brings you that feeling, that reaction. Right, And that acknowledgement of what you just said is very important because then it becomes accepting. There's not a defensive posture. There's not a denial. Well, how could you feel that way? Yes, it's so important. And, you know, in uh, Kiss Your Fights Goodbye, I talk about the biochemical imbalance that actually causes people to become defensive. If I feel attacked, it puts me into fight flight mode, ANS arousal. And then all I want to do is flee verbally and make excuses and justify and defend myself or physically leave the room, the house. But you said something that's important, and that is the perception that you're being attacked. And that's the very interesting point to discuss, uh, at least with my patients, and that where does that come from? What are you observing? How does that get access? How could that uh, be played out in a different way? What can you learn from it? What can you convey to your partner so that doesn't occur? Right, right. Put a sock in it. (laughs) So in the last couple of minutes, What would you like everyone to take away? Because we literally only have like two minutes left. What would you like everyone to take away from our time together and how they can find you? 
I would say, you know, as I've entered this journey of, of really understanding the current trends, uh, it is confusing and it is, you know, multifaceted and complex, but I, I encourage people to really kind of step into it and begin to read, begin to learn, begin to be open up to, uh, I think, a groundswelling change that is happening. That's wonderful. And what comes across with you more than anything is this complete acceptance. Everything is fine, no judgment. And that is, in and of itself, a very healing energy that you Thank convey. You. Just yeah. that. Yeah. So, uh, well, I would say it, I wouldn't say, you know, to say everything, I would say I'm, I'm, I'm open. You I want come across work. as open and not judgmental. Yes. And that you do. So you. your website again, www.sharnastryer.com, S-H-A-R-N-A-S-T-R-I-A-R.com. And my number is 212-532-3945. Oh, well, it's been wonderful having you on the show. Nice and you, you, Jamie. Yeah, it's really been great. So, and anything you want to tell me, um, just, you know, stay in touch with me. And I, I think you also have a place you said near where I live. So I'm sure yeah. I'll meet you when you're down in my neck of the woods. That and great. it's been wonderful meeting you. I've enjoyed you very much. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And next week, everybody, on Ask Dr. Love, I'm answering your questions. AskDrLove.com forward slash questions, plural. No question too small or too big. Hit me with your questions. I think I'm going to be talking also about grief. Grief is so pervasive now. So many of us have lost loved ones during the pandemic. So I'm going to talk about that and answer your questions. See you next time on Ask Dr. Love. You've been listening to Ask Dr. Love with Dr. Jamie Turndorf. Sign up for Dr. Jamie's newsletter at askdrlove.com and receive her meditation audio that will guide you to open your heart and chill out during these stressful times. Music.